got your Bibles, go with me to Proverbs chapter 16. You ready for the word this morning? Come on, you excited about your Bible this morning? I've got a lot of words because I've been gone for two weeks, so I'll be preaching for the next hour and a half, so hopefully that's good with you. Um, people are leaving already. So, um, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9, and it says this, the heart of a man plans his way. Watch this, the Lord establishes his steps. The heart of a man plans his, his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. This morning as we continue on in our series, That's Life, I want to speak to you from the subject all about that pace. As we look at the issue of pace, some of you are getting it finally. As we deal with the issue of pace in our lives, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it's alive, that it's active, that it's powerful that it has the ability to change us from the inside out. And this morning, God, as we, as we gaze upon your word, as we experience your presence, I pray that you would do that, that you would change us, that you would continue to work in our lives. I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for these amazing people, not these four walls, but the people that make this place the church. Because that's what it is. You died for, for people, Jesus, and we thank you that you got up out of the grave. So we worship you with everything that we are this morning. We thank you for your word this morning. I pray that it would change us from the inside out. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shouted, amen. Um, as many of you know, we've been on vacation for the past two weeks. Come on, show hands. How many of you love vacation? Come on. Like, don't lie. If you don't raise your hand, you're a liar. <laughs> right? Come on, one more time. How many of you love vacation? You love, you love to take trips? How many of you are going to take a vacation this summer? Yeah, almost all of us are going to try to get away, whether it's in the mountains or, or going to another state, or for some of us, maybe another country, or for some of us, it's just going to our in-laws' house, which isn't vacation, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay? But all of us, we love reprieve, and I don't know if you're like me, um, but it takes me a few days to settle into the groove of vacation. Come on, anybody else like me? Like, it takes me a few days to actually wind wind down. And e even on this vacation, we started out, um, we were driving to Houston. So we drove our family to Houston, got to Houston, hung out with some, our, some of our family and celebrated uh, our, our nephew's uh, first birthday. And then we left our kids there and we flew to Boston. And then we got into Boston and we drove from Boston up to Cape Cape Cod. And it wasn't until we got to Cape Cod that things kind of started to melt away. But we're almost like kind of almost a week in to vacation at that moment and still getting emails and still getting texts and uh, finding out that the church is blowing up and flooding and all kinds of fun things like that. And so it takes me a little bit to kind of settle in and put my phone down and put my responsibilities down and, and ignore the fact that my children aren't with me. And, and I'm just with my wife, who's amazing, and I just get to be with her, and we get to, to reprieve. And it takes us a while to kind of, kind of settle down. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? It takes, it takes a little while for all the stuff to kind of melt away. And I would say that I was probably a week and a half into my vacation where finally the mechanism stopped. Finally, I could just in, enjoy things. Finally, I could just eat food, right? Walk on the beach and hang out and talk and, and enjoy one another. It took a while to, to get there. And that's the beautiful part about vacation, isn't it? That, that moment. But then there's another moment that comes, right? It's the last part of the vacation where you're flying back and then you put your kids into a car for 24 hours. How many of you know vacation's over? <laughs> right? 
And we did that. And so all of a sudden, like the pressure starting to mount. We literally have this conversation where it's like, can you feel it? Can you feel the weight start to like come back on? Can you feel the responsibility start to, I'm like, be quiet. I don't want to feel that right now. So we put worship on and we shift the atmosphere and we try to enjoy it and, and like, hey, man, we're back and, and, I, and I'm nervous this morning because I'm like, did I forget how to preach? And like all of these things are going through your mind as everything kind of gets back. And, and, and you love this, this part of vacation where everything stops. It's like time stands still and we all have this one wish during vacation. I wish life could be like this all the time, right? But how many of you know that life is not like that all the time? How many of you know that vacation just as much as it starts, it stops. Just as much as things can be this beautiful moment of, of retreat and reprieve, life starts going again. And that's where this issue of pace comes into play. And as I've been hanging out for the past couple weeks, just being with my family and taking a little bit of a breather, started to kind of hone in on what my pace of life is. What many of our paces of life is, and that's the subject that I want to deal with this morning, because pace is a very important issue concerning our lives and something that we should be aware of on the daily. I believe one of the greatest issues facing our society and culture today is the issue of pace, the quickness to which we run and do life. And the reality is that many, if not most of us, are running at a pace in life that is simply not sustainable or healthy. Come on, somebody. This is a moment that we've got we've to kind of look inward and, and look at our lives. For many of us, we're living under the mantra of the great philosopher Ricky Bobby who said, I want to go fast. <laughs> we are addicted to fast. Life necessitates fast. And we know deep down inside that if we don't keep up, then we simply are not existing in a way that has meaning. And I think that's the rub for a lot of us. A lot of us believe that speed and the amount that we do in life, the pace that we run in life, equates to meaning in life. And a lot of us struggle with whether our life means something. So this is how life goes. We run as hard as we possibly can, doing and working and striving and earning and building and creating as much as we can because one day we're going to die. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. I know, Caleb moment. We do this at this frantic pace trying to keep up and do all these things, trying to search for this one thing that's elusive no matter what you do, meaning, looking for meaning, but the reality is this, is meaning is never found at running at breakneck speeds. The meaning of life, our identity, who we are and what it's about is only found in Jesus. It's only found in Jesus and so we run. I want to go fast. Then we become addicted to fast. Come on, think about this. I want to challenge this this week. How many times have you said, I'm so busy? So busy. Life's so busy. How many, how, for, for, for many of us in here, it's the first, how's it going? I'm busy. Right? That's like the first thing we say. Almost like it's a badge of honor. Everything's going so bad. Life. It's interesting. There was a study done on the walking habits of pedestrians. <laughs> I was studying this this week. It was awesome. Researchers analyzed pedestrians in more than 30 cities around the world, and their findings were, were astounding. According to the research, the average pedestrian speeds along at the pace of almost 3.5 miles per hour, which is up from 10 years ago where the average pedestrian clocked in at 2.5 approximately. 
Pedestrians are now covering 60 feet in about 12.5 to 13 seconds. And while the study is humorous and somewhat tongue-in-cheek, the point still remains. The pace of life is speeding up and we're all trying to keep up in order to do so. And we are moving at speeds like never before. Have you noticed that everything in our society, everything in our culture is being built and designed in a way to make life easier so that we can speed along quicker? Right? To make life, and I, and I was thinking about this on, on, on our trip. I have no idea what my, my parents did when we took 24-hour drives without a cell phone or a video player or some sort of mecha- mechanism, like technologically advanced thing to keep your kids quiet. I have no idea what we did on long drives. Like now, it's like, here, pop in a movie. We were literally equating time to movies. Dad, Mom, how much longer? Four movies. <laughs> <laughs> That was our time reference for them. So they're like, if I watch four movies, then we'll be there? Yes, and you're about to watch four movies. <laughs> the problem is that for many of us, it's affecting our lives in ways that we don't even realize. And furthermore, we are allowing the self-inflicted cultural nuance to seep into how we interact with God on the matter of pace. And this is where the rub truly comes. Many of us are frustrated at God. Watch this. Listen. Listen. Because he refuses to move at the pace we are demanding him to move in. In other words, we're trying to box God into the the demand of our pace. And the problem is that's not how it works as we just read in Proverbs 16.9. We have plans, but God determines our steps. He determines our pace. And this is a truth that if we would assimilate into our lives, it would change everything. It would change everything. And we take issue with this because God rarely moves at the speed we want him to move in. Come on, have you noticed that about God? See, a lot of us get frustrated and we believe that God's not answering prayers because it hasn't happened yet. When the reality is that he is answering the prayer, just the pace of it is a little bit differently than we want it to be. He's actually speaking on the daily. He's working on, in our lives on the daily. He's actually answering prayers on the daily. He's involved in your life on the daily. But for many of us, we just are not satisfied with his pace. And so we say, God, get up to my pace. Speed along with me. Haven't you seen this life I've got to run? Don't you know all these things i got to do? And granted, we have these things in our heart. We have visions and dreams and things that we want to be a part of and things that we want to do. But God says, look, you've got the plans, but I'm going to determine your steps. Why? Because for many of us, we will run at a pace that will kill us and we'll never be able to equip ourselves and engage in the plans that he has for us if we run at the pace we desire to run to get there. Come on, am I talking to anybody this morning? I'm not going to lie. As a pastor, I know this. I struggle with this because I'm a driver right? Like I drive. I constantly push all the time. My, my teachers, when I, was in, when I was young, they called me relentless. And my boy, my son, is almost like a spitting image of me now because he's constantly going. He's up early. Go, 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 go. What's next? How are we doing? When are we doing this? And his parents are like, be quiet, son. Slow down. But then I realized I do the same thing. And and I'm not going to lie, as a pastor, I want our church to be at a certain place, and I want my my dreams and my plans and this and for my family and for, for this and for that. And I'm constantly pushing, constantly pushing, and realizing that the greatest amount of frustration I have in my life is not the fact that God's not giving me what I want. It's the fact that it's not going as fast as I want it to. 
You ever been there before? You ever been there where the pace that you want God to operate in is just not working We take issue with God because he rarely moves at the speed we want him to. He rarely shows up when we want him to, and we simply have a problem with patience. (laughs) Let's just admit it now. Most of us did not grow out of the patience issue. Our kids are impatient, and we as adults are impatient. We just mask it with maturity. (laughs) Right? But we're impatient. We want what we want when we want it. How we want it. Because we want it. And then we wonder why our kids are impatient at getting things as quick as they want to or, or, or we get frustrated with others when we exude that because, man, we demand things now. And hopefully even right now, you're, you're starting to like get a little bit like tense because and, and we're about to break that, that tenseness in a minute because we're going we're gonna to study what it looks like to draw the pace back a little bit. I know that for many of us, we, we look at life in, uh, in long term. Maybe for some of you, you don't look at life in the long term. Like, I see all the way down to, like, like dead zone for me, okay? Like, I've, I know that's morbid thought, but, like, I think about this sometimes. I'm like, okay, I got this much time left, and, and if I can keep healthy, maybe I'll, like, extend things. And if I don't break down and find myself in diapers again, like, I can extend things a little bit longer. So I've got some space that I've got to cover. I've got some room. I've got some things that I've got to get done. But then I quickly realize that at the end of the day, when I'm moving at breakneck speeds, my soul suffers. And God can care less about what I accomplish in my life at running at breakneck speeds if I'm, if I'm foregoing a strong and in-depth relationship with him. Come on. Pace. We have to realize that God's not called us to stand still either. Rather, he's called us to live, work, play, rest, and worship at a pace that is healthy in conjunction with him. Because for a lot of us, the answer is, okay, well, fine. I'm moving at a really fast pace. I'm busy, so, so I'm just going to stop it all which would be awesome. Like, I'm just going to work to be independently wealthy so I can do nothing for the rest of my life. Go for it. See how that works out. (laughs) But that's not the reality. See, God's not called us to be people who stand still, but he's also not called us to be people who are running at red line all the time. There's this there's this, not balance, because I hate the term balance, because I don't think you can find balance in life, but I do think that there's a healthy cadence and pace to our life. Listen to Galatians 5, through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Watch verse 25. Listen to this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Did you hear that this morning? Let us keep in step step with the Spirit. And a lot of us are running in such a way that we're not keeping in step with the Spirit of God. We're trying to outpace Him. We're trying to outrun Him. We're trying to go faster. We're trying to push Him. But we've got to live by the Spirit by keeping in step with the Spirit. We have all have this idea of race. How many of you have been in a race before? Come on, show of hands. How many of you will do a race this summer, Ragnar, or maybe um, that one where you light, light yourself on fire, run around the mountains and jump on things? And, okay, a few of you, all right. <laughs> Races. We've all been in a race at one point or another. Paul would speak to the issue of, of a race. And, he, and here's the thing about Paul. Paul knew what it meant to run his race and to run it well. 
And the issue that, that we find here is that it's not about the race. For the runner, for those of you who are going to maybe compete in, in running this summer or, or any other type of competition, your issue is not with the race. What is your issue with? It's the pace of the race. And for many runners, they struggle with this issue because they know if I'm going to complete this race, my pace has to be appropriate. How many of you know that if you're competing in a marathon, you are not running full out the entire time? But maybe you're going to do a 40-yard dash and you're going to give it everything that you got. You're going to go for it. You're going to run and you're going to die at the end of it. But that is what is okay for that specific race. But some of us are failing to realize that we've got more years, we've got more time, we've got a marathon ahead of us in this life, and we've got to run at a pace that allows us to engage everything that God has for us, but for the full length of time. And some of us are killing ourselves and we're not going to make it to the end of what God has for us if we don't adjust our pace. If we don't adjust our pace. So what I want to do today is I want to deal with the issue of pace. More specifically, I want to look at what right pace looks like and how it affects our everyday lives. So three things that I want to look at this morning. If you'd help me out, shout, shout number one for me. Come on, shout number one. Right pace allows us the space needed to make course corrections. Come on, somebody. Right pace allows us the space needed to make course corrections. I went to college a long time ago. I've told this story before, but it bears, it bears repeating. Um, in my college days, I had a tendency towards goofing off. And uh, I still kind of have that tendency, but uh, apparently I've grown up a little bit. But this one particular evening, we decided to see the effects of water balloons and pedestrians below our apartment complex. <laughs> It's a great science project. And so in this moment, I lived on the fourth floor of this high rise in downtown Sydney area, and all the apartments looked inward, right? So there was this kind of big open area where cars would park. There was a pool. People would walk around. It was a big open area. And so our balcony overlooked this open space. And so my friend and I, we decided, man, it'd be interesting to see what the effect of water balloons are with people just walking by without any knowledge of where that water balloon came from. For all they know, it came from heaven. And so, <laughs> so we got a bunch of water balloons together. And, uh, and teens, if you're in here, don't do this, all right? Just don't do it. Although it is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> and so we got to the edge of the balcony, and we'd wait, for, we'd wait for somebody to come by. And as we'd watch it go by, now we never intended to hit anybody, okay? That was part of the rules of the game. You could only get within inches feet, whatever, but you can never hit. You lost points if you hit somebody, okay? And so the first balloon we would drop, and it was amazing to watch because the balloon would hit, and people would jump and freak out, and we would just die laughing. We thought this was the funniest thing ever, all right? And, and so we would do it again, and we got like six balloons deep, and all of a sudden this lady came out walking with her dog, and it was a small dog. I think it was like a Shih Tzu or something like that, which I don't like Shih Tzus, so it was already kind of in a negative position for me, and it was my turn. And so I said, hey, is the, is the dog like by proxy part of her, or is it its own independent issue? My friend said, dog's game, and I said, okay, sweet. So... <laughs> <laughs> so I dropped the balloon. Luckily, my aim was off that day, and I came just that close to the dog. But I have never seen a Shih Tzu jump so high, right? 
And so it went like this, as fast as I possibly could go. I dropped the balloon, watched the sheets <laughs> jump, and then I took off running because I thought that I hit it. And there was probably about from this distance to right where the pulpit is at of space to enter into the apartment. And so I was right here, dropped balloon, Shih Tzu jumps, freaks out. I run because I thought I was, I was seen. And I'm running and I'm running at breakneck speed as fast as I possibly go. Whoa, everything I want. And I failed to realize that somebody had shut the glass door as we had left onto the balcony. No joke. I took that glass door and went straight through it. Just everything that I had. Yes, I know. Manly and buff. Straight through the glass door, and everybody froze in that minute, except for the one dude in the back who always just says the same thing. Oh, cool. <laughs> what does this story have to do with anything? Well, right pace allows the space needed to make course corrections. And a lot of us run into walls in life because we're going so fast that we can't make the correction needed to avoid what's right in front of us. And that's what happened to me that day. I was going so fast that I couldn't stop. I couldn't pause. I couldn't see that the door had been, had been closed. And so injury came and payment came and all kinds of other things came because I couldn't make a course correction. And some of us are running so hard in life. Our pace is so fast right now in life that it's impossible to make the course corrections needed to sustain a healthy lifestyle, to stay, sustain a healthy cadence in our lives. I think that's how many of us do life. We live at such breakneck speeds that we're not aware of what or who, come on, is in front of us and consequently we find ourselves in positions of pain and heartache and frustration that could have otherwise been avoided. See, a manageable pace gives us the margin necessary in life to make the appropriate and necessary course corrections in life. Have you ever been moving so fast that you missed the mark? Have you ever been moving so fast that you missed a moment? Have you ever been moving so fast that you react in a way that, that, that we shouldn't? We overlook details that are important and the list goes on and on and on. Come on, am I talking to anybody this morning? And I don't want to be the type of person that misses the way due to my, my hastiness, all right? I want to be the type of person that is aware of my pace so as to make the most of every moment and live in a way that keeps me and those around me safe. And can I say this? For some of you, you may be like, man, I'm not moving fast at all. I actually don't have a lot going on in my life. It's really chill. But this actually has to do with the way that we think as well. Because some of us miss moments. We react differently. We have all these things going on because the pace of our mind is so fast. We're overthinking. Hey, come on, where are the overanalyzers in the house? <laughs> How many of you get stressed out? Like, I'm an overanalyzer, right? How many of you get so stressed out and so freaked out about life and so, like, like, like Pastor Adam was talking about the anxiety because you're overanalyzing everything. Your mind's moving a million miles an hour, right? Pace has to do with all of this. You know, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, and leader, I have to be aware, very aware of my pace. And I don't always get it right. Many times I find myself running faster than I should, desiring a pace that far exceeds the one that God has for me. I've found that when I run a pace outside of the one 
designed for me, I end up frustrated, burnt out, and ultimately I lose the very ground I was trying to take. See, burnout is not the product of doing too much or having a full life. Listen, it is the product of not pacing appropriately. See, I have a very full life and I love it, enjoy it, and I don't burn out because I'm learning to be aware of my pace. I want to say this very clear this morning. You can do all the things that God has called you to as long as your heart, your mind, and your pace is right. See, we burn out because we want too much too fast, and so we run accordingly. And this is important for us type A people, driven people who simply know nothing except desire and the drive to succeed. We burn out because the cadence of fast pace and slow pace is not locked in in our lives. And we've got to understand that right pace allows us the space needed to make course corrections. Come on, everybody, shout number two for me. Second thing we need to understand about pace is this. Right pace helps us stay in right position. Come on, right pace helps us stay in right position. Psalm 23, 1 through 6. Listen, I, many of you have heard this piece of scripture before. It's probably, whether you've been in church your entire life or this is the first time stepping foot in new church. Many of us, most of us know this psalm. Psalm 23, 1 through 6. Listen to it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, someone say amen this morning. It's a beautiful scripture. If that doesn't calm you right now, I don't know what does, right? But I think something interesting is seen right here. Many of us are simply trying to outrun God. Think about that for a minute. How many times do we try to pace quicker than the one who said, listen, I am your shepherd? In other words, the great way to look at it is that he leads us. But we are sheep, meh, trying to outpace the shepherd. Sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> when was the last time you saw a sheep outrun the shepherd? Better question, when was the last time you saw a sheep run? But that's a whole other subject matter. Never. Why? Because the shepherd keeps the sheep in its place. And it's interesting that the Bible equates you and I to sheep, not smarter animals, sheep who need a shepherd. But see, some of us are fighting against the idea of being a sheep. We're trying to be the shepherd of our own soul. We're trying to be the shepherd of our, of our life. Instead of being a sheep, we're trying to morph from this position to this position, saying, God, I'm going to lead my life. I'm not the sheep that you need me to be or want me to be. I'm not going to allow my life to be guided by you. But right, right pace helps us stay in right position. And there is a position in our lives that we've been called to be in, and that is following a shepherd. See, when we fall into right 
pace, we find ourselves in the right place. And there's a great benefit to being in the right place. Look at what we, look at what we're the recipients of when we are in right position. Let's just go through this piece of scripture. First one, um, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is what happens when our pace is appropriate and we're, we're following the shepherd. I shall not want. In other words, I go through life having what I need. Maybe not what I want, but always what I need. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Oh, come on, somebody. This shows us the providence of God's restful hand in our lives. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Verse 3, he restores my soul. Come on, how many of you need our, our souls restored this morning? Right? When we stay in the right place by walking at a right pace, we find God's restorative work happening in our soul. Our lives are the product of our souls. Let me ask you this question this morning. How's your soul? It's about finding soul care in the grace of God. The next one, it says this. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In other words, he leads us along the best path possible for our lives. Have you ever found out that when you run sometimes, you're not paying attention to the path that you're taking? And many times we can find ourselves in a place, in a position, in a spot that's not healthy for us. It goes on. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. See, in other words, we have a protector, a vindicator, a warrior, a strong man in our corner when we find ourselves in difficult and hard, pressing moments of life. And some of us listen to this. Some of us are pacing so fast in life so that we can avoid the valley of the shadow of death. Come on, have you ever been there before? You want to get around that? Like, don't take me through that. But the Bible's saying when we're led by the shepherd, we can walk through this valley, and although we're walking in it, we can strut through it like a sheep should because we know that the shepherd is leading us through this valley, that we're gonna make it to the other side, we're gonna get to where we need to be. I don't need to worry because my life is led by the shepherd, but there is a pace to that shepherd's cadence. We love this one, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even God's disciplinary action in our lives is still to our benefit. And many of us try to outpace God because we're trying to avoid his rod and staff in our lives. Right? We're like. <laughs> you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I think that's just a mic drop moment. Simple as that. Even when things come against me, we are in a place of peace and substance. You anoint my head with oil. I love this. Anointing is the product. Listen. Anointing is the product of right pace because right pace puts us in right position. And that's under or submitted to God. And when we are in submission to God, we find anointing. Anointing never happens in independence. Anointing is not the product of your gift or your call or your thing. Anointing is the product of submission, being submitted to his mission. I am your sheep, you are my shepherd, I will follow you. And it's in that place that I find the greatest degree of anointing for my life. And then he says, my cup overflows. Straight up, good old fashioned blessing and favor. When I'm a sheep following the shepherd, my cup overflows. I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I may be going through these things, but my cup overflows. And then watch what happens. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I want you to see this. When I follow the shepherd, goodness and mercy follow me. 
when I'm in right position, goodness and mercy follow me. And then the last one he says is, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We will always have a place of residence, which speaks to the identifying nature that we have in Christ when we are following the shepherd. And that's Psalm 23. That we have to understand that right pace puts us in right position. And some of us this morning need to understand this. Some of us this morning need to know that we're out of position. Come on, as your pastor, that's a hard thing to hear this morning, but some of us are out of, out of position. Come on, how many sports fans do we have in here? Sports fans? Okay, how many of you are watching the NBA finals right now? Okay, less of you. <laughs> Me too. Right? Some of us are NBA fans, some of us are NFL fans, some of us are, all, you know, we're, we're all kinds of different fans of different sports. But the one thing that we can all rally around is this simple fact. How many of you know what it looks like to be in front of your TV and to know somebody's out of position? Right? How many of you know when you can watch and you go, they're out of position, they're out of position, and then everything falls apart from there? Position is important for some of us. We're trying to figure out the fit in life, and we're struggling because we're failing to realize that we're not in position. We're not in right position. Where are you at this morning? Are you trying to pace too fast for Jesus? Are you trying to run past your shepherd? That's the question I have for you this morning. And number three, come on, everybody shout number three. Last one is this. Right pace is the product of right rest. Come on, how many of you like the idea of rest? How many of you would just be encouraged having like two hours of sleep in time? On the daily, right? <laughs> How many of you would love it for all the parents in here if your kids woke up two hours later than what they normally do? Come on, Jesus help me. Right rest. We're getting ready to have a baby. She's ready to pop any minute. No, she's not. It's like two months. She <laughs> so excited for this two months. She told me the other day, she's like, Jason, I just, I'm so excited just carrying this baby right now, doing the heat and just feeling like this. She's, I thank God for this moment. So, <laughs> How many of you know that our life's about to change? Little baby comes. This thing called sleep, it goes away. It's gone. I've watched and I've read a lot of people's lives and Figure out how people do these things. Like, how do, how do we go on four hours of sleep? How do, we, how do we negotiate life like that? And a lot of us are looking for rest in all the wrong places. See, rest is not the product of more sleep. Rest is the product of a Savior. Come on, someone needs to hear that this morning. Can I tell you that rest is not the product of another vacation? As much as vacations are great, I'm all about vacations. I'm all about taking time to reprieve and to, to chill. But come on, have you ever met that person who's constantly trying to get to the next vacation? Who's constantly trying to get to the next place where they don't have to do anything? It's not about that. Rest is the product of a Savior. Listen to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Church, this summer, 
You can vacate as much as you want to. You can sleep in the backyard in a hammock as much as you want to. You can get into the mountains and be away from everything and camp and play as much as you want to. You can take this summer and you can work as hard as you want to. You can quicken your pace. You can do all of those things thinking that maybe that gives you what it is that you want. But I want to highlight something for us all today. True rest doesn't come by time away, doesn't come by getting what you want, doesn't come by hitting that next financial projection. True rest is found in the hands of a Savior. The only one who can offer it to you is Jesus. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. And some of us are looking for rest in all the wrong places. It used to be all of us are looking for love in all the wrong places, but now we're looking for rest in all the wrong places. You can keep going. You can keep the mile per hour up. You can keep redlining this thing, but I want to encourage you this morning with this. Learn to rest. Rest is not inactivity. Rest is finding yourself in the throes of God's immaculate grace. He loves you. He says, let me take this from you. And let me put my yoke upon you, for it's easy and it's light. Come on, would you stand to your feet with me this morning?